2: Back of the Chest Coronavirus Self Isolation Podcast. Hello and welcome to Back of the Nest, the Lockdown Sessions. I'm Chris Hambling, and in our final show before the season restarts in a few weeks, we're joined by one of our favourite people, the amazing Peter Ramage. We'll be chatting with Rambo, playing another of Sam's famous quizzes, and rounding up the most important Alice chat. No paywall. No subscription. Back of the the nest, nest. Fan-created podcasts. Videos and articles. Free forever. Right. With me today, I have Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Hello, Patrick. Um, We also have Sam Clacker lurking in the background. Hello, Sam.
3: Hello, the famous lurker.
2: You are famously famous for lurking. Mm -hmm. And we also have lockdown-breaking Ute D.R. Kernaz. Here we go. I'm not. I'm not even going to say hello to you. No, because <laughs> you made a crazy assumption. You have been out. You have four hours sleep. You're a busy man. You're saying out, out with your G's and your road men. <laughs> no, you're just, you're just making this up. I said four hours sleep. I didn't say I was out and about and just, you know. You did you or did you not? About. Did you or did you not say that lockdown is over?
0: Oh yeah, I said that because <laughs> come on. Look outside your window. Look outside your window. Maybe not your window. Not my window, no. Yeah. you got letters in front of your window. It's a bit weird. But
2: <laughs> hey, that look- was in a private chat between me, you and Peter Ramage.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But if you just look outside the window, if you're on the main road, you'll see that everyone is out. Even if you look on social media, everyone's on the beaches. This ain't lockdown anymore. We need a new name. I said this on Twitter yesterday. It is, it is no way on earth a lockdown. A lockdown is when everyone stays inside. This is just free for all now. We change game modes.
2: Change game modes. Have you got any suggestions for names?
0: No, that's what I asked on Twitter, but I only never replied and he said to open up. And that was just so boring. <laughs> just left
2: it. There you go. Uh, he's giving you the the um, respect of a, of a reply when no one else has, and you just disrespect mm-hmm. him straight away. Um, what have you been doing then? What have you been doing out all the time, uh, saying you ain't got any time, you're a busy man? Sport, I wasn't right? out
0: all the time. I went, um, i done a 150 mile round trip um to um hereford uh dropped my mum off to my cousin um and then yeah that's it dropped to, uh, went to my auntie's house and then came back
2: i haven't like spoken to you in like, four weeks that's not all you've done <laughs> also i'm
0: busy with other stuff as well i'm busy um with 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 the shop implementing new things there so yeah just just and youtube um, what else have mm. I been doing? Yeah, I've been busy. You know what? That's what I'm saying. It's not really lockdown for me anymore because lockdown,
2: I was bored and stuff, but now I've got just so many things to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've only listed two, but... Um, three. 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 Uh, what's happening in the shop? Social distance kebab making. How's that going along?
0: No, oh, that's good. I mean, it's not really social distance kebab making because that doesn't really work because the shop itself is like two meters wide. Um, so... Yeah, but we're implementing new things, put a new menu in. You know, taking out right. some fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, some fried chicken's going. How are you uh, keeping
2: the two ounce cheeseburgers?
0: Uh, yep, yeah, I'm putting a six and a twelfth ounce as well. Okay. Doing that and then putting grilled chicken wings. So yeah, a couple of new things going on about there. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not really been on lockdown. You know, I haven't got the time to put lettuce in my on my window. and let it grow there. <laughs> <laughs> been you
2: that can't, you can't unoccupied.
0: Be, you can't be angry at me for growing a lettuce, mate. You know? You the help you cost me about my mouthwash thing, but I, mean, I, I just don't know. I just don't know what to say about that. Can you just imagine like waking up in the morning and going downstairs and there's a couple of lettuces just standing in your window? Just one lettuce. Okay. Wow. It still doesn't it still doesn't help. I mean but look, anyways, let's let's not make it haven-
2: about my lettuce. Patrick, um you got any questions for DR about his behaviour?
4: If i I'm disappointed in you. Seriously, I understand. You know, you're probably a Boris Johnson fan and just want to go all <laughs> the country. Well, obviously, I mean, you've bro- you've blatantly blat- broken the lockdown and, and and you've taken trips of more than what was a hundred mile round trip. You said to Hereford. Hold up, yeah. Ho- oh no, no, hold what? up.
0: I've seen. I've was seen. It, people with... was it?
4: Wait, was it for childcare? No, it... I've seen.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Uh, if, if you class my mom as a child, <laughs> I don't know how the rules switch like that. But no, but I've seen people as like top officials have coronavirus and travel that long and nothing happened to them. So <laughs> I could, you know, you can't really blame our old dear and Crodon to have a little trip to his cousin's house. I didn't go doesn't, to the beach or anything. But right. I have no symptoms as well. Well, right,
2: Mike, re- Mikey, we need a, a, a siren when we start getting too political, if we can. <sighs> Otherwise, uh, Otherwise, uh, Chris Clark's going to run riot next time he's on. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what do you make of all this? You're a reasonable person.
3: Am I? I
2: well,
3: <laughs> I mean, I, technically, I guess you are allowed to drive to Hereford and back at the moment.
2: Specifically Hereford or, or anywhere?
3: <laughs> well, anywhere you can make make within a normal day, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because where, depending on the, the length of the journey, where do you go to the toilet? Dior, where do you go to the toilet? I didn't go to
0: the toilet. What? <laughs> well, I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't go to the toilet. Um, I just had to hold it in for the three-hour journey. But I left that night. That's the thing. I left that night. So I was here like at 2, 3 a.m. So everywhere was closed. So I made sure, I took precautionary measures measures to make sure that even if I had the toilet, I can't leave the car. So I left that night on purpose. <laughs> Mask, gloves,
4: <laughs> anything. Wear a mask, a glove, anything, anything precautionary. Well, it's no
0: point. I'm, I mean, I'm in the car. I mean, I, unless the cars get infected as well now, I won't be really damaging uh-huh. no one. So yeah, but there is a mask in the car, but I didn't wear it because it's not mine.
1: Oh
2: dear. How you doing, Patrick? You all right? <laughs>
4: uh, listen, we have just been, we've opened up in New York now with phase one, and what Dr. did, if he did it in America, it would be. It would be so... Dis- it would be so... Listen, dear. I'm going to tell you as as a friend. Don't do what other people do. It's not a good idea. Just do what you think is right. What you're doing, I'm sorry, is not right, mate. Don't. Just don't follow people. Please I, don't. I beg
0: you. I didn't... No, no, but it's different here, Patrick. In America, it's like a grid system. Here, first of all, if you go outside, you'll see everyone is outside. Like, even the rules, are they are changing. I think you're allowed six people at once now. You're allowed to go to the park with family members, which I've done. Um... So yeah, like it's it's a bit different here to compare to what happened in New York. Um, did, but did yeah. you
2: go to the park with family members or fans? <laughs> exactly. And, uh, I, how, went family, I went with family members. Is your uh, is your crew <laughs> only six strong, or have you got more than six in your crew? Um, I didn't go. With, I didn't go out with no one like that. No. So yeah, no. I, a, I was in a
0: car. I was. I was in a car with my mum driving for three hours. I didn't go out to, I don't know, to the beach where everyone no, else... but you mentioned well, the park. What happened with this
2: park? You mentioned the park.
0: Well, I'm allowed to, according to the
2: rules. Yeah, no, I'm just asking some questions there. Did you have a nice time? Who, who was there? How many uh, people? Lots
0: of, lots of people were there. Not my, not that I know, but I just saw lots of people in the park. But they were all socially distancing as well. It was actually very nice. It was very nice to see people getting active again.
2: Okay, well, look. Uh, In two weeks' time, we'll have a look at the R-rate, and if we see that creeping up DR, uh, everyone's coming for you. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Because I drove
0: drove for three hours in my car and didn't leave the car.
2: I think you had a toilet break. I've been in a car with you for that length of time, and I know what you're like with your toilet breaks. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I mean, I've seen you try and hold it, but it didn't work, did it? Anyway, um, (laughs) I think I've got to move us on from that. Uh, very quickly want to mention our sponsor, Pitch Sport Football, do download those words. Pitch Sport Football, not download those words, Google those words, and download the app uh, from their site and join us on there. Football's about to start up again, all going to plan. Uh, you can get on get on there, make some predictions, uh, answer some videos, watch some of their content. It's a, it's a great site. They're supporting us, so please support them. If you do want to get in touch with us, um, you can WhatsApp voice message us on 0203 575. One two six six. And if you check just search back of the nest on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube, you'll find our relevant channels there. And email is hi at of And don't forget on your chosen podcast app to give us a five star review. And uh, this time at this time out, if you can somehow leave uh, a review that gives a full and frank opinion of Kernaz, we'd appreciate. It. Right. And as something very special and new, we are now on hot mic. That's H O T space M I C. Uh, if you can download that app and f- uh, register and follow us, on there and then you follow we follow us by adding our code, which is just B O T N. And to know what that's all about, is that a sentence? Yeah, we'll keep it that way. Dr. Kurnas is about is about to tell us. Dr. What is Hot Mic?
0: So HotMic is basically an app and it's a live streaming app where fans can watch the game live and also uh, see your reactions. So see our commentary. So what we'll be doing is we'll basically be commentating on the game going on and it'll all be in sync. So you won't be ahead or behind due to the technology that they use so it'll be fun it'll be fun you'll see all our reactions um if you do enjoy the pods and if you do enjoy listening to us then seeing us react to palace live um in the flesh that will be amazing i think and i'm really excited to do it but yeah it's just download the app hot mic if you go in the app store um on your phone and download it and write back of the net no b-o-t-n uh, that's the code and then yeah Start following us, and we'll be streaming there.
2: I mean, I searched back, and I I found it. Um, Okay. So it's yeah, we're pretty easy to find on there once you've registered. But as as Dr says, botn is the code. Now, Dr, what are the? Do do we have any ideas of what the kind of rules are? Because you've you've been to games with me. Um, Hmm. I sometimes find it difficult. As to be fair, as do you to control (laughs) the things that I say and how I say them. Um, what's that going to be like?
0: i That's a very good question. Because I haven't really asked him about the rules, about swearing, about Roy Hodgson not making substitutions. I guess that will be allowed, being angry about that. Um, I'm not too sure if we can swear. I mean, if we can swear, then you'll see the real, real raw reactions. Well, if we can't, then we can change the words about, I guess, and swear like that instead of saying... The F words, we can say Flaffle, something like that. Flaffle. But yeah, okay. yeah, okay. Um, yeah. I, I'm not too sure. I'll have to ask them.
2: Yeah, I think you need to. Um, you've got a question, Patrick?
4: Not a question. I'm just going to say I'm happy that they don't have that in America. Because the last time I was on camera during the Palace match, it was two years ago, away to West Ham, watching Wayne Hennessy <laughs> letting two goals. I almost... <laughs> I almost had a brain hemorrhage, so let me tell you something, I'm glad I'm not part of this, but enjoy it, it sounds like a lot of fun, it really does.
2: You could be part of it exactly. during the lockdown process, um, I hope the idea is that obviously we would eventually all be in one place doing this, um, but up until that point dear, I believe we can all do it remotely from where we are.
0: Exactly, we can do it from where we are, but also the new rules that's coming out, is, I think six people can meet up at once. And it'll be outside business. though,
2: we'd have to do it outside.
0: Oh, it's outside. Yeah, we can all sit in the garden, put the TV in the garden, and then watch a like that, But yeah, you can do it remotely at home. And also, it's not only Palace; you can go there to watch a bunch of other stuff. All sports, so the Bundesliga, the Premier League, the Liga. I think even American sports uh, when it's back, the MLS, the NBA. So yeah, they've got they've got some big names and they've got some big plans coming up as well. So I'm really excited to see what happens.
2: Well there we go get involved in that and obviously you'll hear more from us ahead of the first game I believe which I I would imagine we'll be covering in that form which big big sign yeah hopefully. Least,
0: hopefully um that's if the technology doesn't mess up but yeah, I, I was I, just, it just
2: just thinking as well to myself there what if it's a, one of those really boring games and what I get like during those what about, well actually I'll tell you what'll be really interesting you know you know Chris Clark yeah yeah, you know how Chris Clarke misses every goal because he goes for beer? Oh, he misses games sometimes, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you think that might happen again, you might see him disappear to the fridge during commentary. <laughs>
0: I mean, like way, way too early. If that happens whilst we're at home, then I think I've lost all faith in Chris Clarke. I mean, I see that at games, but if you can't even stay on the camera at home and you just stays in the kitchen for 90 minutes, then I'll lose faith. But I think it'll be interesting because I th- fans can also talk in the chat with us. Uh, so we can actually see the reactions and what they're thinking about the game. And if it gets boring, then we- they can throw the odd question or two. And then, you know, that could make it interesting. That's all part of the game.
2: Can they even comment? Though? Well, obviously they can comment on what they want. They can start talking about some of the things that you say and do, couldn't they?
0: It's, well yeah and some of the things that you say and do as well so it's not limited yeah. to me so yeah it should it should be I great
2: think, I think mainly it should be directed at you that's, yeah. that's where the most fun is right all,
0: all, I'm, all I'm saying is if you want to um, join in I mean you're going to be watching a game anyways if you want to join in and chat whilst watching a game it'll be real fun and yeah I'm looking forward to seeing how many guys do actually join in and
2: interacting with people live right first up
5: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Peter Ramage. Reviews, predictions, comments, and rants. Send us your voice clips on WhatsApp. 0203 575 1266. Right, we are joined by Peter Ramage. Um, Peter, you've been with us think, since we were called Homestore Radio. We've had you on many, many times, and welcome back.
5: Thank you very much for having us.
2: Good morning, all. No, no, no problem at all. And it is, it is morning very much for oh. you, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it's uh... Ten past six in the morning here in Phoenix, so it's, uh, but this is, uh, I'm normally in the office before six, so it's just the start of the working day for me.
2: Oh, all right, and um, Patrick, you're also in the US, is it, is, would it be an hour further ahead for you?
4: Yeah, I'm in mean, New York, it's ten after nine here, so yep.
2: Oh, dear, bloody hell. It's a big country, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we won't mention that Patrick was late in Rambo, wasn't? So let's move <laughs> swiftly on. <laughs> so you are a Geordie in the US. You've been there for a while. How do they cope with the Geordie accent?
5: Uh, struggle a little bit. To be fair, I've got um, I've got a few interpreters amongst the group that uh, that help communicate with the rest of these Americans. But uh, no, it's all right. I have to talk a little bit slower. A little bit more of the Queen's English, but um, every now and then, when I get a little bit angry, the uh, the old Geordie twang comes out a little bit more stronger than than other times.
2: <laughs> Have you managed to get anyone saying Hawaii yet?
5: Oh, they'll all say it in the morning. <laughs> Love it. All, yeah.
2: So, in general, I mean, you know, you did a you did a, a bit with the Palace website talking about how that move came about, and you know, you were looking at a, a contract at Blackpool, was it? I think, and um, yeah, correct. Ended up getting the call. Um, and yeah, I don't, did you ever intend, I mean, we say, actually to be fair, you said you didn't really intend to be out there three and a half years. But, you know, how, how did that happen? How did that sort of, how did your mind get changed in terms of that experience? Uh,
5: good question. I mean, I came out here, it was the summer of 2016. Like you said, I was literally, I was about to go to Blackpool on loan. Uh, on loan, Sorry, I was about to go on Blackpool on trial. Um, and then put the phone down to Gary Boyer and, and literally start to pack my suitcase to go down. And I got a phone call from Mark Bircham, who is uh ex-Millwall, QPR midfield player. Uh, worked with Birch at QPR when I was there. And he just rang and asked if I wanted to come out. Uh, came out for 10 day trial. Uh, or 10, not not even a 10 day trial, really. It was more of a 10 day holiday, to be honest with you. But three days into it, signed. Um, and end of 2017, I retired, went back to Newcastle, started coaching at the academy, and I was really enjoying that. Uh, Starting beginning my coaching career and just somewhat out of the blue, uh, the the coach out here, Patrice Carteron, uh, left to go to a club in Africa, and the assistant manager Rick Shantz, who was uh, Rick was the assistant when I was here, just rang up and asked if I wanted to come out and and help be one of his assistants. And like I said, it was completely out of the blue. wasn't 100 sure whether was what I wanted to do because. I was back at your castle back home. the family went home. kids were settled in school but at the time it was a part-time job um, and there was no sign of a sort of a full-time position which I didn't make a, a lot of money in, the, in football for me just to sit on my backside and, and not do anything. and uh, so I just thought why not? It was an experience that I thought I needed um, in my coaching lifetime uh, as short as it was to come out and kind of work with senior players, senior football. Um, at a club that I know and I mean even in the, the 80 or nearly two months that I've been uh, two years that I've been here back coaching the the club's grown and grown to a, to a point where we're you know we're going to become one of the potentially one of the biggest clubs in on the west coast of America even that, and that's including MLS
2: that's amazing um, I know our US correspondent Patrick's got a few questions relating to uh, your experience at Phoenix and and also the, the sort of playing standard, I guess, in in the US. So do you want to jump in now, Patrick? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Rambo. Um, because I'm over here, I get
4: to see a lot of the MLS and even USL. Coach some players that actually play USL. So how would you describe the level of USL compared to like in England?
5: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's tough because it's nowhere near the. Uh, I mean, even the I think the MLS is somewhat on a championship level. Agree, yeah. Um, I don't think many of the teams could survive in the Premier League, if I'm brutally honest with you, and that even including LAFC. Um, but then again, I think it's a different kind of brand of football over here. Obviously, the weather's different and different, well, certainly the West Coast of America it certainly is. Um, but USL, again, it's very tough because quite a large portion of our league is made up of somewhat reserved team MLS's um, teams. So, you know, you've got a bit of a mixture of youth uh, and then the experience of likes of ourselves, New Mexico, El Paso, uh, San Antonio. Um, I mean, we probably could, again, it's a different brand of football, different type of football. Um, so it's really hard to kind of compare it to back home. You know, we couldn't survive in League One or League Two, um, you know, for the physicality side of things. But then again, I think some of our football would beat the League One and League Two teams, if you know what I mean. It's just. Yeah. Kind of hard to, to somewhat compare it, but I mean the USL's grown, the MLS is growing uh, even more so. Um, you know you're starting to see it becoming less of a retirement home for, for top class players. Right. You know you're starting to get more European and South American based players coming at a younger age, um, and doing really well, and, and that's helping the the MLS grow, and it's it's therefore it's it's also helping the USL
4: as well. The MLS, I I agree with Rambo as far as you know. Definitely getting better now. Just a follow up. What about the? uh, How would you compare like the youth academies over here compared to England? I know there's been a change now with MLS and the uh, development academies. How would you what do you think the you know the comparison between that here and and in England now?
5: Yeah, it's a really good question because I'm starting to transition a little bit more into it, so I'm learning a bit more about the youth academies. I mean, our our product was was somewhat of a um. The kids paid to come to our academy, but now we're moving into, you know, we pay for it. Um, obviously, the the America kind of disbanded the, the DA, which I think was always going to happen, because the MLS were talking about moving into their own kind of academy leagues, which, you know, we're in talks about joining, which will be huge for our club. Yeah. But it's more at this moment in time, from my understanding, it's a little bit more like youth clubs more than academies. Certainly at USL level, MLS, I've not really got a lot of knowledge about it, but I mean, they're starting to really move towards a kind, a kind of European style of academy where kids are brought in at a young age with the, the thought process of trying to get them in the first team. But I mean, as you well know, Patrick, over here, college is a huge thing for American kids. So trying to get them to come in to academies to become professional footballers is, is one battle. The other battle is trying to keep them in here because their parents want them to go to university and and get their education. So I think that's the next step that certainly we're going to have to try and uh, convince parents to allow them kids to come and join our academy. But even more so, you know, the MLS, which I don't know how that's going to have a knock-on effect with the college um, college soccer programmes. You know, it might be a detriment to that. And therefore, will that... I don't know, have a detriment to, you know, the educational program. So there's still a lot of things to be worked out. I think it's moving in the in the right direction. I think American soccer will progress if we do move into a more kind of European-style academy system. But then again, how are they going to bridge that, you know, gap of getting the best of both worlds where kids get to get their education? because. You know, I like the age old saying it's you know it's not point one percent of players that go into academies actually end up becoming professional footballers. So wow. It's a yeah. hell of a hell of a lot of players that, that don't make it. So what are they gonna do with the rest of their lives?
0: There's been suggestions of introducing the salary crap in European football. I think there's there's one in MLS, but I'm not too sure about the um USL. What do you think of the idea of Having a salary cap for European clubs, I, th- I mean, the money involved here is a whole lot different to what's over in America. We already see it in the NBA and other the big and other big leagues. Do you think you work in European football? No, because it's um,
5: <laughs> a pretty answer. Because I think clubs of clubs, players, and agents will find ways to get around that. I think yes, you probably could have a salary cap, but then you might see, you know. It, endorsement levels just go through the roof where clubs are kind of paying Adidas for the player to wear their boots or something stupid like that. So, you know, whilst I think there they will be, it could be, it could work, I think there'll be ways around it for the players to still earn astronomical amounts of money, um, you know, benefits that go along with, with salaries, and bonuses, you know, there might be more bonus-related um, structures towards itself. So, yeah, you might get the salary caps, but the top players will still get the top money, uh, and I still think that'll kind of
0: filter down. What's happening with the USL? Um, with I've I follow the NBA, so I know that they're going to be most likely going to um, Disney World and continuing the season at neutral grounds there. But is there any talks of the USL continuing anytime soon?
5: Yeah there is where uh, the the league and the owners are in discussions about that there's kind of no news at this moment in time i mean we st- we have kind of a, a somewhat of a start a restart date in uh, in july um i think uh, patrick will testify every state's different in terms of their where they are in, in kind of the lockdown stages so you know where we've we've got east coast teams we've got west coast teams we've got central american teams it's it's um uh, Every state's in a different phase, so I think they're just trying to kind of figure that out. I don't think we will move to a in, like a neutral venue, like the, the you know the MLS are talking about going to, to obviously Disneyland. Don't think that would be that would work for us from a financial standpoint. Um, obviously MLS owns all the clubs basically. Uh, USL doesn't own our uh, doesn't own our clubs, so we would have to foot the bill for that, which I think would just be financially out of the reach of quite a few of the clubs in our league. So. There is, a, you know, from my understanding, we will be playing some some sort of a season. Uh, it's just now trying to figure out, you know, the logistics of it.
2: The last of Patrick's questions, which I will ask for him, was, "What was it like working with uh, Didier Drogba?" <laughs> uh,
5: you know what it was. It was one hell of an experience because even at forty year old, um, his level of professionalism was uh, as good as I've come across. I mean he didn't come here just to you know see out the rest of his career he came out here to win from day 1 he was um, I mean he couldn't run I mean the geezer was 40 year old and you know <laughs> he was stiffer than Glenn Murray but <laughs> uh, I believe that he, he trained hard he done the the all the stuff off the field you know he had his own I mean he's privileged with the career that he's had, that he's got a lot of good people around him. But he had his own, you know, personal trainers that kept him fit, kept him in shape because, you know, obviously it did take him longer to recover from games. The guy's 40 year old, but, um, you know, when he stepped onto the field or stepped into the building for training, you know, he was switched on. He was one of the lads as well, you know, whilst he's one of the owners and he's paying our wages somewhat. Yeah, he was still one of the boys, you know, taking us some nights out. And it was, um, it was really, you know, inspiring to see that a guy at that age um, you know how dedicated he was and it was scary to think what he was like when he was in his pump
2: just checking you retired at what age Uh,
5: 34 34 Mm. I was when I retired Uh, Mm. I just got to a point I could have kept on going and I wanted to keep on going but um, I left here on a it was a Thursday afternoon uh, in October uh, I can't remember the date, but I left here on the Thursday and literally touched down in Newcastle on the Friday. And I went into the I got a phone call to go into the academy on the Saturday, and I began coaching on the Monday. So I had no real time to kind of make the decision whether to continue playing or not. It was somewhat taken out my hands, um, but I don't regret it. To be honest with you, coaching was always what something that I wanted to go into and. The opportunity to go back into and start castle. If I'd had taken that opportunity there and then, it might not have been then uh, there. You know, when I had come to make the decision. So um, I can't call time quicker than I wanted to, but I don't regret it.
2: No, I completely understand. But I remember seeing you at you know Palace under under twenty three slash youth games as well. So you obviously taking an interest back then as well.
5: Yeah, it's something. You know what it is. It was something probably from uh, the age of. I mean, it was about 2021 when, we, you know, when we were doing, I uh, began my B licence when I was at Newcastle playing. Um, then I started to get into the first team and football was kind of, football took over. Um, but then I'd done my cruciate when I was at QPR and I was about 25, 26. Uh, and, you know, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I started, you know, going into the QPR. And that's when I kind of met Birch and got more talking to him and, I just, I just had a passion for it. I always wanted to to stay in the game when I finished, and you know, coaching is probably the second best thing to do outside of playing. And um, so I, I got a real thirst for it, certainly from a younger age. And um, and you know, like I said, when when that when I stepped off the plane at Newcastle, and Newcastle offered me the the kind of the role that they did, um, I just thought it was it was time.
2: Nah, no, absolutely. And uh, we're talking of. Um obviously Newcastle. We we had a quick brief chat and I won't repeat what I said pre-show to <laughs> really anger you. But um obviously strongly suggested that um, a takeover is imminent in terms of being confirmed at Newcastle um by the Saudi royal family and obviously all sorts of riches come with that. What do you make of that? I mean obviously I suppose you've got divide it between as a fan the excitement of of th- almost that freedom to build a you know a you know, a challenging squad at the, the top of the league versus you know the the questions of identity that that people sometimes get concerned about. What do you think?
5: Yeah, it's a, it's it's a good point. I mean, I think we just want the change now. It's been you know somewhat of a a lull period for us over the last few years. You know, we haven't kicked on from you know the odd season where we kind of excelled, and I think it's just frustration that you know, Michael Owen back in what was it, two thousand and four was our uh, was our record transfer of sixteen million and it's taken, you know, something like sixteen years to beat that record and all well, due respect, you know, Palace are going out and spending thirty million on Benteke and twenty one million on Sacco and you're thinking, Well, when we look at things from a Jordi's perspective, you know, how can Palace be going and doing this kind of um transfer when you know when we've got the same kind of funds or the same kind of kind of ownership group in terms of level of Uh, a level of wealth and we're not doing it and it's just frustrating so you know if these guys come in with the wealth that they, you know is reported um it's quite exciting for Newcastle to be thinking that on Newcastle fans we think it could be the richest club in the world and you know you're seeing the kind of stars that could be linked you know certainly in this summer uh and going forward you know it's 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 pretty exciting but obviously there's a lot of red tape for the for the the, that ownership group to to go through to try and get to to own the club, but if it happens, then long may it, uh, long may the, the good times roll. It'll be uh, it'll be fun.
0: I've seen I've seen lots of star names linked to Newcastle already, but one name that I don't like in particular is Wilfred Zaha. He's been <laughs> linked to <laughs> move to Newcastle. I mean, don't do that to us, Rambo. We're yeah. in good times yeah, there. It'll, it'll be, be better <laughs> sweet.
5: you know. I, I yeah. think. I think Will Um he's now at a moment in his career where, if he's got aspirations to get to that next level, with all due respect to Palace, and I really mean this, that he's got to leave. Knowing um, Newcastle wouldn't be a good move for him in that respect. Um, obviously, it would be probably more financial based than anything else if he was to come to Newcastle. And we're just talking hypothetically here, but you know, for me, for Will, uh, I think. I mean, once they break into the top four and you know, Palace have got the they've got the ability to do it, but you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot harder for them to do it um than like I said we'll have to go to Chelsea or Man United or Arsenal or you know Man City or whatever the top clubs or even you know, I see him linked with, you know, some of the, the top clubs in Europe. I think you know, he's coming up to twenty eight now. I think he's and it's the longer he waits, the less of an opportunity. And I think personally as well from Palace uh, his market value will decrease the longer that it, you know it goes on. But obviously, everybody would love Wilf to stay, and you know the club to build a, ra- a team around him that's going to break into that you know upper enchancellances ench- of the, the the Premier League. But um, realistically, from from Wilf's point of view, is that going to happen? He's are probably looking at it and thinking not, maybe not.
2: No, I mean it happened in my football manager game where I've just won the league with Palace, but that's probably I probably can't <laughs> treat that too seriously. Yeah, um, I'm moving away. Too. <laughs> moving away from um, and, and well, back to a little bit we touched on the sort of COVID nineteen approach with D asked questions, but in a general sense, you know what, what how footballers viewing it, it seems to have been a bit of a, a shift from the concerns. Now people are, are getting back to training and, and testing. Um, regularly, or certainly at Premier League level, in in this country, um, so it seems like there's a bit of a softening towards the approach. And obviously, the Premier League have now announced that games are likely to go ahead from mid uh, mid June. But you know, your your general feelings about how our footballers are feeling right now?
5: Yeah, just listen. I, I don't think this is now until we find uh, an antibody that's going to kind of eradicate it, then we're going to be living at risk until that moment happens. So I think from a personal point of view, the football industry isn't, it isn't just football industry. Um, It's, you know, the guy that has the burger van outside the stadium. It's the, you know, the merchandise stores. It's, there's a lot of, you know, pubs, bars. There's a lot of, you know, industries that center around football. And whilst, you know, it's, we're still kind of in the the early stages of moving out of the you know the, the severity of it. I do think we need to start moving somewhat back to normality um from an economical point of view um but doing so in the safest possible manner. I do think going into the next 6 9 12 months there is going to players that are going to you know test positive from it until you know like I said there's a there's a vaccination that can that can basically Stop me from getting it, um. So I do think we have to somewhat live uh, with an element of a risk, um. But that risk has to be, you know, as as soft as possible, um. And to make sure that you know everything is safe and secure for the football to get back, whether that's playing for the next six, nine, twelve months with no fans, um, it, it might have to be the case. You know, obviously, the sooner we get back to the Fans being in the stadium, the better. I'm watching German football, and it's hard to watch when there's nobody uh, there. But at least it's back. Uh, and like I said, it's it's not just. I know I've got a lot of people that are in uh, in different, like I said, different industries that have suffered from uh, from football being shut down because they haven't been able to work.
0: For you guys, it must be hard because you've only played one game this season. So it's not like you managed to get into a stride and then afterwards you just had to stop. So how are you guys ensuring that the players are keeping fit? I mean, are they still training, or have they just set it back and then you're going to restart it all over again?
5: No, I mean we've uh, we've been back for three weeks. Um, yeah, like you said, March the seventh was our opening fixture. Then we shut down on the seventeenth of March for I think it was eight weeks. Um, then Arizona, like I said this before, was um, it's one of the safest places to live in America um, because of obviously the heat uh, and everything that, excuse me. everything that's around here. So we opened up pretty. Uh, the league, I think, yeah, the league opened up three weeks ago. Um, but the players were doing similar to what you know the Premier League players were doing. They had their own programs. Zoom calls were um, were every day or every other day. Making sure, checking in with the players, and give them all uh, credit. Each and every single one of them came back when we started again after three weeks off, with you know, in good health, uh, good fitness levels. So we're still at a non-contact, uh, still working in somewhat groups, small groups. We're hoping that'll be opened up next week, and uh, to like I said, uh, uh, working towards a target of every starting again in July. But um, it's been three weeks of. Good training. The guys have been good. They've obviously some of the people know, some of the players have known people in their family, friends circle that have had the virus, so they know the severity of, um, of what can happen if you get it. So they've they've been safe and uh, and not been stupid uh, when they've been you know on lockdown themselves. So it's been good. It's been good to have them back, and and for us personally, for me personally, for coaches, it's just great to be back on the grass. It's been it was eight weeks of flipping grade two and grade four maths and science and all that <laughs> Tell you what the levels of school is different to my day and it was uh i think i found it tougher than me, me six and nine year olds
2: <laughs> oh, i love it yeah a lot of people I, I i know have had to suddenly become teachers and it's been a very very new experience but um let's jump into a little bit of palace now so I'm interested in this angle really. So Palace started the season relatively well um and then had a had a real drop off for a period of time. And um before before you know a fantastic recovery results and and very much pushing up the table as as things stopped, which is fairly typical, you know, that a pandemic would appear just as we're starting to push yeah. up towards the upper end of the table. But I have to say during the the period, the sort of the, the, the dip, if you like, that went on a, a reasonable amount of time. I think at one stage we'd won 3 and 20 or something like that. I actually genuinely lost a huge amount of faith in, in what Roy Hodgson was doing. You know, everything, every game you could kind of overanalyse and say, well, he's not using subs enough. He's not made that change there. We're going out and we're doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. I'm just wondering how players feel in, in that respect and, and a general question of what you make of Palace's season.
5: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's obviously been a tough season. Uh, it seems to be a running, a running pattern with Palace that you know they do have these moments of the season where they you know they start off either like a house on fire, they don't start well, then they'll have a, a run of good results, and then it'll hit a lull again. I just think this kind of seems to be a pattern over the, the last few years. I'd love for them to hit a consistent run and try and get into the the sixth, seventh, and eighth—well, the eighth, seventh, and sixth spots. You know, challenging for Europe, but it just doesn't seem to happen. um, The group of players that they've got is more than capable to do so. Um, So is it? Yeah, is it? You know, it's just not working. Um, The tactics not work. I I mean, I haven't—I haven't seen as much Palace games a season as I have of previous years. So. It's hard for me to comment on how it's kind of going, but from a player's perspective, I mean, they've got the talent pool there to be able to to challenge for the the highest spots in the league. It just for whatever reason it is, it's you know players might just have a, a loss of form, which to key players, you know, I don't think Wilf's been as productive this season as he has last the previous season in terms of goals, things like that. You know, obviously, Venteke has been a, a huge disappointment. You know, his goals record has been poor, you know, been relying on Ayu on to get the goals. And even then, it was kind of in purple patches. So, it's just not clicked on a consistent basis. But like I said, this seems to be kind of a running theme of year after year that um, you know, Palace will have a couple of good results and everything will be rosy. And we're talking about trying to break into them. And then all of a sudden, we'll have a, a couple of bad results. And, you know, the world's going to end. And it's it just doesn't seem to be, you know, steady progression, which... You know the likes of, I look at likes of Leicester. I know they obviously won the league, but they over the last couple of years they've had a steady progression to try and get into them upper enchilences. and and they've done so and and they're staying there somewhat this season. Um, it's something that I think when I look at Palace's squad and Leicester's squad, I don't think there's too much differences in in the quality. So it's frustrating.
2: Yeah, I mean, do you as as a player you've probably played under a, a fair few managers. Do you value sort of tactical consistency, or you know, as players, when particularly if results aren't great, do you want to, you know, your coach to come give you some new ideas and try something like a little bit different?
5: Uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's a good question because I think back to the time when when I was there, where obviously Dougie, um, he had us basically drilled into robots so that we knew what we were going to do, but we knew what we were going to do if it didn't work. And Ollie came in and kind of. Threw everything out the window and tried to bring his own philosophy in, which you know was was totally uh, the right thing to do in his in his eyes. But we just we were so uh, geared towards playing a certain way, and it was successful at that time. Obviously, we I think we're second or third. And um, when Dougie left, um, Olive came in and changed it, and it was it was so hard to go to a different style, a different philosophy don't think we quite had the players that Ollie wanted that Ollie wanted to play that way. And to his uh, to his credit he recognised that and and somewhat tried to blend it. Um which obviously worked in, and got us promoted. So it, it's it's hard for players when they're kind of told to play a certain style, a certain way, to then kind of all of a sudden change it. It does take time to implement. Um, I know we went through this over here in Phoenix at the beginning of last season and it took time for us to to get our style, and then once we found figured it out, it, I mean we went on, we went and won twenty games in a row. But in the Premier League, it's a little bit harder to do. Uh, and if it's not quite working, then it's hard to try and change it on the run uh, in the course of a season. It's, it's something that takes you know, sometimes weeks, months, and, and even years to to do and to, to master. So when things aren't going well in your own style, it's it's tough for players because it's not for the lack of trying or anything like that it's probably just sheer down to uh, loss of form or or whatever
2: yeah you're right and there's yeah confidence is a massive thing as well um you know once you get that little knock although that sort of particularly with someone like Wilf you know being a a key player if he's not 100% at it and and taking on the world if you like um sometimes that that's enough to knock the whole team at times but no that's a that's a great answer thanks um why do you have so much love for Palace still
5: Do I, Sam? Do you know what it is? Uh, Good question. I think, I mean, football is, you meet so many people over a short period of time. um, You know, players come and go in your lives from a personal standpoint and professional. That that year at Palace, um, I think obviously what we went through, you know, we were a team kind of made up of players that nobody really wanted, you know, and myself included. Demo obviously came in from not being really wanted at um at Ipswich. You know, there was it we just we just clicked and that was the closest group of players that I've come across. And I mean I was I was on a Zoom with Gabs the other day. I mean Gabs just, you know, checked in with each other and I speak to Demo and Paddy and I think it's just because of the, the closeness of that group. Um, as why well, I still, you know, harbour obviously strong feelings for Palace, and and plus obviously the year that we had, it got promoted. It was the highlight of season of my career, and you know I met a lot of uh, amazing people off the pitch as well as you know in the backroom. You know Jane Sanderson at the at the club, um, you know you had Scotty Guy at the the fitness coach. It was Matt Roberts who was a physio, Alex Manos the physio. Just people that were were good people. Um, that, you know, you, you actually built friendships uh, that, you know, have lasted I mean, I might it was about six months since I last spoke to Gavs. We picked the phone up and it was as if we'd never spoke to each other. I mean, I spoke to Demo the other week. I'dn't spoken to him for an eye on six, nine I think it was it might even be that. I mean, Demo came out to, to Phoenix to visit us. He was in Chicago and just flew over for three days and came and stayed. We had a couple of games of golf and I think that's just epitomized You know, my love for Palace is that it was just good people around at that time, and still to this day, there's still good people there. I'm not saying that there's not, but I think that's just um, one of the reasons why you know I still hold a hold a candle
2: for the club. Um, Interesting, you mentioned golf there. When I was looking earlier at how what I was basically doing uh, was scientifically measuring the distance between where Patrick is in New York and where you are in Arizona, and it was about I'd say (laughs) two two and a bit UK lengths. I was measuring okay. it with my thumb, so I'm not sure exactly what that is. But um, I also noticed that there was a huge number of golf courses around uh, around nice. Phoenix. It kind of other than the, the the heat, which I can't stand, it kind of sounds absolutely phenomenal.
5: Ah, uh, it's an unbelievable place to live. I mean, golf courses are just ridiculous. I mean, there's we're now going into the summer months where all the courses are cheapest chips to play. Um, you know the TPC where they have the waste management. I mean, from I think this is the, this might actually be the last week. Uh, it kind of the the peak prices where I think it's about four hundred dollars to play a round. From about next week or the week after, I think it goes down to fifty dollars. I mean, I mean today yesterday training it was one hundred and fourteen degrees. So that and that was at Sort of ten o'clock in the morning. You know you're going to the mid afternoon and it's almost touching one hundred and twenty. I mean it's it's stupid if you're going for a game of golf. So all the golf prices go down I, a lot of the celebrities at this moment in time have flown into phoenix the uh we live not far from the the private aviation and that's dr- jam-packed and when i was at, asking one of the owners who's who's got his own private jets you know why, why is it so busy he was like everybody's just flying in to play golf and and live in arizona um you know i mentioned, mentioned off camera you know all the everything's basically back to work and owner you know bars nightclubs everything's kind of reopening so Everybody's kind of congregating now into uh, into Phoenix, which you know it's murder for traffic in the morning. It's like trying to get around the M25 again. Um, it's, <laughs> it's it's a great place to live. There's not only that you know hiking. There's loads of hikes. The actual Arizona states got some got some wonderful little towns that you can go and uh, and visit and just have a, a chill. And um, it's just you know I'm privileged to you know, obviously work at the football club, but obviously live. You know, in such a such a great area a of America.
2: Right. Um. We'll let you go fairly shortly. Just realised how long we've kept you. We do like to for. lie to people about how long we interview them for. But um, just a really quick um one on one of the article on the palace official site um where you mentioned just how quickly the move to palace came about, and that always strikes a chord of me. That you know when we talked to Dougie, not well, that's a couple of years ago now. About when he when he left for Bolton, and you know he was explaining just how quickly he had to make the decision. And you had the same situation when you you effectively reported um, to uh, QPR, wasn't it, at the time under Mark Hughes, and were told, "Oh, you're going on loan to Palace," and you had about forty five minutes to sort of react, and just wasn't even a choice. And is that is that really that common in football?
5: Yeah, it is. Um, It was the same when I left for Barnsley, the kind of the second time uh trained all the way up to almost transfer deadline day and um Ollie rang us and said I wasn't going to be in the 25 um you know from previous conversations I had with him that I was there was you know I was going to be in it and then just the last minute he brought some players in and and I was out of it and I'd basically had uh, an hour I mean I was up in Newcastle at the time because so I think it was just at the end of the international break um and I had an hour and a half to, to finalise a move to Barnsley. Um, luckily enough, you know, I was I was in the northeast, so I mean, Barnsley was at, <laughs> Barnsley's a two-hour drive down, and I managed to make it in uh, an hour and a half. So, uh, but that's just part and parcel of football. You basically, when it comes to the kind of the end of the the transfer deadlines, you you kind of have a suit, a suitcase packed and ready to go just in case, and and that can happen, you know. It's like you said with when I was at QPR. A, Neil Warnock was the manager at the time and, you know, rang us up and said, you're uh, you're going down to Palace, you know, get yourself on the road. And it was the Thursday before we played Peterborough on the opening day, uh, the season, I think it was 2011-12 season. And then it was the same, you know, almost Dougie rang us up and said, we're going to, I think it was Portugal, no, it was Cornwall. Uh, we were going and um, on a pre-season, he said, can you make it down by the morning? I was up in Newcastle, so I had to drive down, kind of through the through the middle of the night to to get on the bus to come down, and that's just how football works. Um, you know, I've had a couple of periods like that in my career where it's just literally been um, jump in the car, or jump on the train, or jump on the plane, and and get yourself going. It's uh, it's kind of have boots will travel kind of mentality.
2: Yeah, I mean it's crazy, you know, life changing decisions made on the, on the drop of a hat, really, but. There we go. That's the those are the breaks. Obviously, lots of positives for being a professional footballer as well. Getting um, getting get into that, what are your what are your, your long term plans? You got any ideas of how long you want to stay in the US? And
5: uh, no, it's uh, it's a good question because if I'm brutally honest, if you don't, there's a lot going on at this, at, at our club here, which is exciting. Um, you know, uh well the ownership group here are really trying to progress the club, when potentially moving into a new um, facility, uh, which is going to, you know, purpose-built training fields uh, similar to, to, you know, to, to Europeans, which is, the plans for it are incredible. You know, like I was saying, I'm kind of transitioning into somewhat of a dual role with the first team and the youth club to, to kind of help bridge and um, and bring players through. Like we're talking about kind of the academy systems, so because I've obviously came through it at a European club at Newcastle and he obviously worked, you know, alongside Ben Garner. With, you know, watching Ben when he was at the academy with with Gary, um, and then obviously the other clubs I've been at. So I've got somewhat of a knowledge of how to do it. So there's a lot of progression to be had here. Um, I obviously have aspirations in my own career. I want to manage, in or I want, I'm not, don't want to manage, but I want to coach in the Premier League. Um, I want to be a, a coach in a top European. I want to, you know, potentially work at international level. So I do have dreams of my own but it's kind of them dreams will be a readjusted um, you know when I'm I'm kind of working through my career it's, I still kind of have short medium and long term goals and the short term goal at the minute is to try and help Phoenix you know progress uh, into the MLS as well you know we've got our bid in I don't know how it's going but you know we've got plans to try and get into the MLS too which which would be huge for for, for the club and also for myself personally
2: yeah, that sounds great, and you know, you get to leave something of a legacy um, whenever it is you you do go. But um,
5: yeah, I mean, that's the that's the thing. The, the the exciting part of being here is that we are, you know, Rick's um, Rick myself and Blair Gavin, who's the assistant, the other assistant with uh, with a couple of the other coaching staff, of are building something from ground zero. Um, so you know, like you said, building a legacy here is uh, to be part of it from the beginning. Is uh, it's quite. You know, a daunting challenge, but it's a challenge that, you know, if we can build something that's going to last a lifetime here, then, you know, it would be an incredible achievement for us to do and, and be incredible to be part of.
2: Absolutely. And we can't have you on without having an obligatory dig at Glen Murray. Some might say an unnecessary dig at Glen Murray, but I'm still going to do it. So, yeah. given that Glen is, you know, 75 years old, and has a <laughs> robot knee, um, how do you, you know what do you make of him still playing in in the Premier League? Not as many games this uh, current season, if you can call it that, as he probably yeah. would have liked. But, but you know, you still in touch with Glenn? And is yeah. surprised he's still playing?
5: Yeah, uh, yes and no. I'm uh, I'm still in touch with him. We speak we speak still regularly. Um, you know, he still still keeps to be nicking a year after year at Brighton. Uh, somehow, I don't know how like you said. I don't know how his knees are coping with it, but. Um, I mean, it's just a, a testament to how professional he is. Um, certainly, in the last days of his career that you know he's managed to have the longevity. Um, you know, similar to Damo. You know, demo played into his mid to late thirties at Palace, and I think these guys have uh, you know had the, the best part of their career. has been at the you know the twilight end of it, and but Muzzers, you know, he's a he's a dedicated professional. He's a miserable sod, so he never goes out. He hardly <laughs> drinks, so it's no surprise that even at 37, he's still, you know, rocking around the Premier League. It's uh, it's because of I think you know being that boring bastard, excuse the French, is is helped him have their longevity. But I mean, that's great, and I'm it's, I'm so as a mate, I'm so proud to see him continue to play. Obviously, not for Brighton, but you know, we'll no. about that. But from a personal point of view, for him to continue to play at the highest level and scoring goals in the Premier League, it, you know, 48 year old is, uh, is still some achievement.
2: Absolutely right. And, you know, he must be a professional to, to make out that he's enjoying playing for Brighton. You
5: know, year <laughs> on year. It's, I mean, you know, that, that's the one thing. Muzz is massively family orientated, um, both in like his friend, he's got a close friends and circles. And, uh, you know, Brighton, obviously, he was at Brighton before for Palace. And, you know, he's settled down there, his life's down there. And um, I know when he left, obviously, Palace to go to Bournemouth. You know, he was he was travelling from from Brighton uh, to Bournemouth, which was a hell of a drive for him every morning, but um that's just because he's you know similar to similar to most of us, he's you know, he's family first and football second and uh, you know he's made sure that, that everybody's secure in and around him and um you know it's he's an inspiring figure in more ways than one.
2: Okay. Well look that's all we've got for you for you. So thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Mm. did you notice when uh, during the um pete ramage interview that i i was leaning over to pick something up and i actually fell off my chair and dropped my head on <laughs> i heard something in the background <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> When you what are you yeah. listen back to that and edit, see if you can highlight can I, heard I was confused what's that i thought that was from rambo like there someone no. in the background, his wife, or something might have walked into the room. So, obviously, Premier League ret- returning. So, I was, it, it wasn't that much of a surprise because someone who should remain nameless suggested that it would happen just before it happened. But, the, obviously, they've announced that Premier League will be returning. I think the first games are on the 16th, and I think our game, first game back would be on the 19th, I'm right in saying. Of yeah. June 17th. Before, 17th.
4: The games. Yeah, 17th.
2: There we go. And oh, no, do you know what? I haven't even looked up yet who we'll be playing. Who are we playing next?
4: Bournemouth away. Bournemouth,
2: yeah. Bournemouth, Bournemouth, yeah.
0: Bournemouth. There we go. They've got lots well, of it... cases. That's dangerous. Mm. Mm. If they do anything to Wilfred Zaha, I'm going down.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but obviously, that, you know, it sort of it almost doesn't quite feel real that it's going to be back. And obviously, got some reservations about how it'll actually feel. Um, The football's back but without supporters and all that kind of stuff but um i think do you think i mean at the moment i'm just surprised i'm not more excited than than, well than this (laughs) so (laughs) how are you feeling about it patrick
4: i'm i'm actually getting more excited as i'm getting more details again i think what for me the the thing is it wasn't the first league to return i think honestly think that the bundesliga coming back and the way they've done it with the testing of the players and the staff around and then also how the empty stadiums, the celebrations the players are trying to do and then forgetting that they're on, you know, not be touching each other and then they piped in sound over here for the uh, broadcast. It actually isn't terrible and the quality of the games i thought have been very, very good. So I was excited if it would be the first league back, but seeing how even America is starting to have some leagues come back into training, I think it's a, I, I'm looking forward to it. I watched the video online of the players getting into it and that's really great. And although I know I'm going to overreact when Pabst lose the bomb of their first match back, I'm going to I would enjoy the fact that we're back and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: It's going to be different for us, though. Um, as we talked about Hot Mike for how long, we'll be on Hot mic, um, watching a game like that. So you wouldn't really be listening to the players uh, and the fans in that aspect. But I, I want it back. I want it back because the season needs to be completed. There there are teams that need to be relegated um, and it's been bugging me off that these teams have been avoiding it, some of these teams, <laughs> and trying to use the coronavirus <laughs> to their advantage. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And also, we've got something to play for. As crazy as it might sound, this season has been so weird that you'd think that we're near relegation, but when you look at the points, we're actually t- um, six points, I believe, of the top six or the top five which itself does sound crazy but you never know what's going to happen now there ain't no fans in the ground as we saw in the bundesliga there are some surprise results and with palace we t- do tend to play better away from home there aren't no home grounds even though we're, we're playing at sellers park there's no home advantage there's no real home advantage so it's going to be interesting to see how roy actually sets up the side and um, and see how if he changes it at home compared to away or do we just play one style of football for both types
4: of games? Yeah, well, I'm not looking forward to Hudson Not using 15 substitutes, by the way. But um, I'm looking at the... I ain't really, we won our last two matches 1-0 each. I'm actually... We're gonna, I, I, I just could It's been so long. We beat Newcastle 1-0, Brighton 1-0 and then Watford 1-0. We're actually on a roll, so Bournemouth better watch out. Bournemouth well, better watch out,
2: I suppose... Actually, the excitement started to ramp up there when DR reminded me that teams might get relegated and I've just remembered Brighton's <laughs> running. Exactly. So all of a sudden there's a big smile on my face and I can't wait for football to be back. Anyway, we haven't got a huge amount of time so we'll, we'll rumble on a little bit. Uh, the club released their financial results this week. Um, I think the headline is there was a small profit of about £5 million. But um, when the results were initially um, submitted... Palace has, I think, no external debt. I've managed to reduce the um, money still owed on transfers from about 43 million down to about 13 or 14. Can't quite remember the figures. Uh, there's some amortization, I think that's how it's pronounced, in terms of um, because that's quite high. And you're thinking probably in terms of the value of players like Sacco and Benteke, there's some quite big drops in their, their overall value. I think the main point of consideration was. The finances look considerably better because Aaron Wan-Bissaka got sold. And a kind of a nice reminder for people that we are still that club that has to sell a big player for big money on a fairly regular basis to keep us on an even keel. So a little bit of a reality check there for some. Um, And probably the the final thing worth saying from my perspective was that because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Palace have had to actually take on another interest-free loan Of I think twenty or twenty five million pounds to keep the cash cash flow right, but the pleasing thing was we went into the COVID nineteen situation on a very secure financial footing, which you do have to give credit to to those running the club for because not easy to do in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, but I think one thing that I am taking out of this is that the investment that's needed at the stadium and also the youth facilities is vital because we've reached a stage where Premier League. Premier League money, TV money, that is very important for us. But we need to become that club that produces. It's its not easy to produce an like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, but if we invest in academy and give them more resources to develop the players like that and potentially sell them on for maybe 20 to 25 million type players, not 50 million type players like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, then that will be a massive advantage to us. But another thing to note is our wage bill only increased by two 2 million, uh, which is quite incredible considering the inflation that we see in the Premier League market in terms of money spent on players so that's a positive and yeah I mean it the only the only real downside is that where I think our turnover ratio to wage is 77% um, and UEFA recommends around 70% so we're still not on the level that we should be there but of course, we need more money, and the only way we could do that is if we can improve the stadium and have corporate facilities there to try and make use of the uh, make use of the stadium when football is not even getting played. So, stadium is very important. I want to see what happens with that, but that needs to really be done.
4: You know, with this pandemic, though, I have to give Palace owners a lot of credit because we've done a lot of things um, around the club. You know, Palace for Life Foundation, a lot of things feeding people and. Palace as a club did a lot of things you didn't hear about players go having to go on furloughs anything like that they, I, I was watching Scott Guyette was talking about keeping the kid people the players fit and they're giving every player like a bike and workout equipment I mean we've done a really good job financially and I know people want to get on the, uh, the case of Parish and then the American billionaires but truth is billionaires they want out and um but they're, they're there now, and they're supporting the club financially, as that financials will, will, will say. And I just think that once we are sold, things will get better as far as like they are saying with the youth facility. But right now, I think we're on pretty good financial ground because then we have two owners, or maybe one that wants to get out. And But I think once we are sold, I think we're going to be in a much better situation. And the squad has to be changed up. We know we've got to get younger. But I'm all about that right now. I think but right now, we should just focus on you know how we're doing now and then, again, ending this season and starting next season, hopefully on a positive note.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, look, we'll crack on from this. The um, so the season tickets and the match tickets situation has now been confirmed by the club. So the match ticket is pretty straightforward. Um, you had the option of, you know, donating the the money you'd already paid towards match tickets to the club's academy, and and that would basically help the the club fulfil their goal of being being the leading academy in the UK. And they'll use that money specifically to target that uh, and won't go to waste at all. And then they would be offering people a limited edition and animal enamel, enamel badges. A thank you, that kind of stuff. Um, the option two was donate the refunds to the palace for life foundation, which is obviously a very worthy cause. And finally the option three was a refund and for, for myself. You know, I had some outstanding match tickets that I purchased for other people, so really, the decision wasn't mine; it was other people's decisions, and they opted for the refund, which is it was absolutely absolutely fine. Um, one of them has said that they'll just simply spend money in the money in the club shop when they get it back, uh, and the other one just just you know would like their money back because they're not going to go and get to see the game, and I think that's perfectly fair, and I think it's great that the club offered those options, and I don't really think there's anything contentious there in terms of match tickets. Season tickets was very very similar. Other than the, the first option was to become an Academy founder member. So um, that basically was enabling you were waiving your right to a wa- refund. Those funds were then de- directed towards the Club Academy. And they gave a, a list of benefits with that. So you get an invitation with a guest to watch a first team training session. You take part in a signing session. I don't know that. I'd, I'd get to sign some autographs for people. I'm not sure they necessarily want those. Uh, but you also get a tour of the training ground. Um, and you obviously agree dates in advance. You'd also get an invitation for you and a guest to visit the new Academy site for a tour. Uh, you'd get a season ticket for the under 23s uh, in the coming season, uh, a £10 gift card at the club shop, uh, a limited edition enamel pin badge, and you also have your name listed as an Academy founder member on a wall at the Academy reception, which is a nice little package, I thought. It's interesting. We'll get some other views in a sec. Uh, you also got the option to credit that amount to your Palace ticket account for the for the next season season ticket for 2021. Um, you could donate the funds to the Palace for Life Foundation. Again, a massively worthy cause there. Or, again, the option to have a refund issued within 28 days. So, nice range of options there. Um, and, again, I'd say from a personal level, I think I'll be going with the Academy founder member idea. I like the idea of giving the money back and, and Getting some interesting benefits and going to see a bit more, you know, around the club that I wouldn't necessarily have got a, an opportunity to see another time. But you know, that's for me because I'm the, I'm the sort of person where I would probably waste that money if I got it back anyway on things that I wouldn't get a, a long term benefit from. I would. Uh, I, I've already spent that money in my mind, and and I also do feel, even though I respect the fact that the club's owners are have wealth far beyond anything I'll ever see. I, I do kind of feel an obligation as a as a Palace season ticket holder as someone who is dedicated a large proportion of their own personal time and energy in supporting Crystal Palace I like to feel like I'm doing my bit that's that's how I feel about it um so those are my views um let's throw over to Mr DiArcarno what do you think
0: Yeah, You know what I think. I've said this before. They're taking advantage. Um, We've got millionaires and billionaires at the club and they're asking us to put money into the academy. I don't think that's right at all. I think there should be two options. I'm not going to, you know, you're free to do whatever with your money Um, and I understand why you would put the money in the academy, but... We shouldn't. They're taking advantage of how much we love the club. Basically, why the benefits? Fair enough. They sound exciting and stuff. But why on earth are we putting money into the academy? I mean, this isn't 2010. This isn't Palace struggling with financial. We just talked about the finances. Here, we made a 5.5 million pound profit. So why are they taking money from us and putting it in an academy? I just don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's a good option. And all honesty I feel like the only option should have been the refund and also maybe donating to the Palace for Life because they're going to. At the end of the day, if they They're going to recruit these players and and they're going to make money from that. And yeah, that's how it's going to work. So I don't think that's the right option, but I'll be getting, um, me personally, I'll be getting a a refund. I don't know how exactly the Palace for Life bit works um, in terms of do I give a percentage or do do they take it all? Otherwise, I would have shared uh, 50-50 with the refund, don't think you can do that. So I'm going to go with the refund and later on, I can use that
4: money um, for Palace for Life. Um, if needed yeah um i' was, i don't spend people's money it's not my job but i think that under the circumstances i think the choices are very they're uh, great i mean past the community club we're not man city we're not the new new car so we don't i mean you talk about billionaires dr and i get it i understand what you're saying but um if i had a chance personally to help the academy in any way i could that's Hundred percent, I'd be behind that, and then Pears Life Foundation too. I mean, I would just do that. I mean, I'm a long time CPFC member in the United States. I only do it to give them money. I've, I've flown over a couple of times for some matches, but for most part, I just do it to support the club. And again, because I support what I what is my local and club. Even though I'm not, you know, I'm not there anymore. And I get that. You know, you think, oh well, they've got owners that should be funding it. Yeah, I get, I get all that, but. Uh, to me, to be part of the help that some kids come through at the camp, I feel like I've whatever small part I put in, I'd love to do that if I could. And if they had it over here as far as my membership and I could do that, I'd 100% do that. Like I said, I understand that you wouldn't want to do it. Again, I'll spend your money, but I just think that the choice they gave, and Chris said, if you don't want to do it, you get your money back, great. But I don't think it's necessary to put down the fact that, um, you know, because of been known, we should have a better academy. Uh, yes, we, you know, that that's their job in some ways. But like I said, if I could help out in any way, I would definitely do that.
0: All I'm going to say is, they should. what they could have done is put a fundraiser. If they really need money for the academy, they could put a fundraiser. And if people like me who... I would be happy to put money into the academy as well, but I don't want to put all my money into the academy where it's run by millionaires and billionaires and helping them, basically, their business grow because we've seen it like Palace cannot grow much more until our facilities improve and that's two the reason why we're improving academy is to get more Wilfred Zahn and Ruan Bissakas to grow them and then sell them on for more money the reason why we're improving the stadium is once again more money related so at the end of the day it helps them so I wouldn't mind putting money into the academy if it's needed but I would rather do it in a fundraiser or something like that rather than get my season get money and put it all in there I don't think we've got the option to give 20% of our season to get money or 50% of our season to get money. You're asking for all of our season to get money to put put into the academy. But that's how I see it. Like I respect everyone's opinions, but that's how I view the situation personally. Um, I don't think it's the right thing to do. The, a fundraiser would have been more appropriate um, in my eyes.
4: Yeah, but again, you're, asking, you're acting as if they're telling you to do it. They're giving you choices, so if you don't want to do it, don't. And again, they have put money into the academy. They have. They just... They Have put money to the camera, they, they've done it before. So, and the fundraiser sounds to me it sounds a little bit cheesy to say that you know, we're going to do a fundraiser again. You have a choice, DR, you want to do it great, if you don't, don't. But to put them down for giving you choices, I think that's a little bit, I me. to me, that's a little bit bizarre. But that's just me,
2: it's an interesting thing. I think it, you know, a lot of it depends on your own personal circumstances. And you know, is a student somehow, um, and <laughs> you know i mean you know through the covid thing i'm i'm really fortunate is my 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 job my livelihood's not been affected in any way so i'm much more likely to have a very sort of serene view of these kinds of things so um but i think you know i, I respect DR's point and i do understand the argument uh, but i do think people do would would do well to remember when you talk about things like or oh, the academy there and the improving the facilities that's all there to make money that and the making money isn't just about lining people's pockets, you know. I am sure they'd all like to be able to take I think it's only Parish that takes a wage and I think anything above the standard that he that he gets he puts back into the club. Um I think that's pretty that's in the financial results I think. But you know, that that generating a, a bigger income it enables the club to compete at a higher level. Because if you look at the, the Swiss Ramble did a brilliant rundown of the palace Situation and the overall Premier League situation as they always do when the financial results are, are, are released and where if you look at the money we bring in, we're i think ten times lower than than you know the top six in terms of the income we bring in, so we're left with no choice when so when you know people like me get all irate because we lose to Arsenal or something like that or we lose to man United or we fail to compete properly against Spurs or whatever you know. You know, it's always it should always be with the perspective that we aren't competitive in a number of ways with them. So it never is. I'm always angry, but but it should always be with that perspective. And I think it's very hard if you take the line that you're just going to sit there. Yes, you're going to pay to watch Palace, but basically you want someone else to match your ambitions with their personal wealth. It's very difficult to sit there and you know. And just to have that as a, st- a complete expectation rather than a hope. We all hope that that, that that would happen that Palace are given enough money to compete at that level, comply with FFP regulations, just generate huge sums of money just through existing. But it's just in reality, it probably doesn't work that way. Um, so I do feel we still need to recognise that just because we're Premier League, you know, as fans, we all have a part to play. Um, that's just how I view it, and other people will view it differently. I was going to ask Sam's view, but um, we haven't got a lot of time. But, Sam, do you have an opinion?
3: Well, I think, you know, season ticket holders have had, what, 29 games out of their tickets. So it is just the final wrapping up of the season, really. I so... mean, you
2: don't include away games in the season tickets. So... But yeah, oh, no, I, I suppose
3: mean. not. All right, then.
2: You're just going to back t- away from that. Never mind. <laughs> no longer. no longer have an opinion.
3: <laughs> I don't I have a season ticket. I don't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay well I'll let you off um, but you know I know we've we've had a degree of and obviously the refunds calculated based on that but, um, we've watched a certain number of games and all that sort of stuff but no it's a, yeah I I do I I know what you're saying because I kind of feel that way as well in the sense that I've you know I've had the benefits of my season ticket for quite a lot of the season anyway should we crack on I think it is undoubtedly it's quiz time so let's do the quiz
3: Okay then, this week is Back of the Nest Goes to the Seaside because Brighton and Hove Albion have now gone more than 150 days without winning a game so we are celebrating that rivalry with this quiz
2: Question number one from me Mm-hmm. Is this another in the quizzes where Mikey's just going to guess all the answers and beat us? Yeah, mean... yeah, it is. Yeah, so it doesn't reward actual knowledge; it rewards no. clicking the right thing. Yes. Okay, great. I love those quizzes almost as much as Mike does.
0: <laughs> That's so harsh. You're such a you're such a sore loser, Amber. Mikey, don't 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 listen to this guy. Anyway, let's get into it.
2: If BR beats me, I'm saying it now. If DL beats me, I'm never doing the show again.
0: Beat last time.
2: Yeah, that's, that's why.
3: Should we start then?
0: Yeah. Please do. do this.
3: If this is going to be the last thing we hear from Hambo.
0: I need to win. Help me, Sam.
3: Okay, question one. Brighton and Palace first played against one another. <laughs> my tenuous quizzes continue. Uh, first played against one another in 1920, but what is the date of the game? The 17th of September, the 24th of October, the 19th of November, or the 25th of December?
2: I mean, I've, I've gone against my rule, which is not to, is to go in the middle somewhere, and I've, I regret it instantly.
3: <sighs> the answer is what? what? The 25th of December. Right,
2: pause this before... Yep. <laughs> why Why did we play on Christmas Day? Who plays on Christmas Day?
3: Because up until the 1950s, football was very much a part of the festive season, with a full range of fixtures being played on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Uh, Palace won that game 2-0, a very Merry Christmas. So, uh, yes. are you
2: reading part of that?
3: Yes. Alright. Is that allowed?
2: Yeah, it is, yeah, just, just... <laughs> I initially didn't realise you were reading it. I just thought, why are you speaking so weirdly? By the way. (laughs) No, no, I I I read that. Uh,
3: But, yeah, uh, that was just it. Uh, Teams used to play up to three games across Christmas Day and Boxing Day.
2: It is unfair when Patrick was around in 1920.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That was around 1920. Yes, I was around 1920. (laughs) (laughs) I, I guess God, no, I'm getting to get into Sam's head now How she does questions Don't do that, it's a
2: bad place. Move <laughs> <Yeah. on. laughs> risky,
3: that. risky game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's move on to question two then. Brighton suffered their first league defeat at the Amex to Palace in September twenty eleven. But what was the goal scoring order? Zaha Ambrose Murray. Ambrose Zaha Murray. Zaha McCarthy Murray. McCarthy Zaha Murray. I figured I... everybody would remember the Murray being at the end, so I would
2: have I would have got that a lot quicker if I hadn't read that as Palace suffered their first league defeat and then got really confused. <laughs> oh, oh, what happened there? What happened oh, there? I mean, the split. answer was of course, Sam. Oh.
3: The answer was Zaha Ambrose Murray, and the <laughs> goal. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, I can obviously, being there and it being one of the best days of my life, I vividly remember Zaha being the the equaliser. It was Mikhail Smith who scored for Brighton first, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Correct. And then uh, obviously Zaha drilling it across the keeper, but it took forever to go in that bottom corner from from the other end uh, to the point where when you watch it back, there's a considerable delay between the ball going in and and the crowd cheering. Then obviously Ambrose bundled one in, didn't he? And then the, for fuck's sake, Murray goal. So, yeah.
3: Your memory is very
2: good.
3: Yeah, very. Good. So, who, you got, let me just check who you got that wrong? Uh, DR
2: and, and, me. <laughs> and me. Mikey. So, there's plenty more <laughs> illogical questions coming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Come on. All
3: right, here we go. Question three Palace and Brighton have played a total of 101 games in <sighs> League and Cup and scored 274 goals in total. But how are the goals split? Brighton 145, Palace 129, Brighton 135, Palace 141, Brighton 140, Palace 134, or Brighton 131, Palace 143?
2: I've gone against instinct again because every time I try and avoid round numbers, I'm wrong. I'm wrong.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So the answer was Brighton 135 and Palace 141. I am disappointed in whoever said that Brighton had scored more goals than Palace.
2: That was me. And Patrick. Oh who? Oh, Wait, head. Head. What did you what would you just say, Sam?
3: Why would you think that Brighton had oh, scored more do you know goals? What? Than the
4: numbers the didn't matter. <laughs> I just went for even number ending. That's <laughs> how my brain works. Thought your brain worked the same way. I guess I was wrong.
2: <laughs> so who got that right? Was it Mikey? Of course
4: it was.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Mm. Standard. He's back. We'll move on to question (laughs) four.
2: So the seaside thing is all Brighton related.
3: Yeah. Okay. How many nil-nil draws have there been in the 101 games? 14, 8 or 27?
2: Jesus! I clicked the wrong thing. well you know not pushing me the answer? (laughs) (laughs) No, but no, I clicked something different to the thing that I meant. I meant. Because it oh, doesn't matter. I might be right. I might be right. I might be wrong. right with a wrong click and can claim exactly. what I was like.
3: The answer is eight. Oh, what? Oh, everybody went for something different.
2: So oh, Who yeah. got that right? Mikey oh, yeah. again. Obviously, 100 games, like, yeah. 8%, nil-nil. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually clicked 14 and was going for 23, but I... It was so stupid because you're right. It's nil. It's not draws. It's nil nil draws, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> awesome! Oh, I, um, I'm seeing. Did,
3: did you really ask whether the seaside thing was all about Brighton? <laughs> <laughs> did you not listen to my description at the beginning? I shut
2: off because you're reading it, weren't you? It sounded. It's just, just,
3: just, mind. I'm all right Question now. Question five. What is the largest victory? Brighton 6, oh. Palace 0. Palace 6, Brighton 0. Brighton 5, Palace 1. Oh, oh, Palace 5, Brighton 1.
2: My head Some hurts.
3: horrible, horrible person.
2: Oh, 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 I didn't fuck. want to click that. Why? Did, I, don't, I don't know, Sam. Why do you give me
3: questions I don't know the answer to?
2: Get oh, in. my God. Palace Get 6,
3: in. Brighton 0.
4: Do you know why I did that, Sam? Sam Logic said, why would you pick Palace to lose? That's why I picked it.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, These stats heavily favour Palace. Exactly.
4: Well, you never think it would happen, so I picked
2: it. <laughs> See, <laughs> my thought logic. was, my thought was, okay, well, it's not the Palace five nil win, and um, and Palace are always a disappointment to me, so it would have to be that it wouldn't. I'd, I just couldn't see it being a six nil Brighton, <laughs> so I went for the next worst thing, which was five nil Brighton. Love it.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Nice. Oh. But the uh, the victory came on the 11th of February 1950, when both teams were playing in the old third uh, division south. So there you go. Are
2: you there, Patrick? Yes, I mean, no. <laughs> <Just checking. laughs> that not... I know it's a running joke, but I'm still going to say it every day. I don't mind.
4: <laughs> I don't mind the ball.
3: <laughs> Question six Easter Monday 1989 saw an unusual meeting between the two sides oh. in <laughs> I... the old division two. But what was it that made the oh, match no. unusual?
2: I, the trouble is it, two of the things make sense why would you do this
3: because I'm horrible five penalties were awarded in 27 minutes <laughs> I'm going to have to pause it because I can't read them all out three penalties were missed the game saw the 100th and 101st goals from the front pairing of right and bright or D all of the above it could
2: easily be A and B it could right. easily be A or B that's the thing it could, I hate and you and it
1: wasn't it was any, of them.
3: <laughs> I hate you so much I love Sam. Uh,
4: yeah. Come on, Patrick. Above. Hambo, do you know if you make a mistake, you change your answer? Uh, d- what? You're, can you? You can, <laughs> you can change your answer if you press the wrong button. Oh, for... F- okay. I just learned it just now. I changed it. And it worked. Thanks. Well, you got five questions to go. Relax. you got a chance.
3: It's all fine. Uh, four yeah. questions. He, he is four,
4: fine <laughs> Who's in the lead, by the way? let check. Uh, Can we have a quick no. round up?
3: Well, you know, the, the man from is? the yeah, I... Patrick, you're 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 flying away in the lead.
4: Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Who's in last place? How many points is he have? Well, Quiet,
3: disappointingly, man. Dior with none.
0: You know what? Your quizzes are actually awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't matter. One, one, right. one right. And it's the
4: quiz master's
0: fault. I, I just have to say, what sort of questions are these? You're asking me about what happened on 1989. I was born like 20 years
2: later. How would I know what happened at Easter Monday? Do, do you remember when we used to do quizzes where it re- rewarded actual knowledge? I remember those days. <laughs> they were good, weren't they? Cause I used to win them. Nope. Oh. These oh. Right. Anyway.
1: anyway.
3: Question seven. I like my quizzes. <laughs> How many goals has Glenn Murray scored for Brighton across sake. league and cup games? So, 103, 107, 111 or 115?
2: Just taking a punt because why would I know? Yeah, this is a punt question. is, if show. DR's got this right, he goes ahead of me. And then, <laughs> then, the show's the and then you have to bow out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> the answer was... I hate you. Hey. Finally. Another question. Oh. Right. Uh, you're
4: yeah. right. you're
0: right, No, nah, I just I, I don't I don't care about <laughs> Brighton. It's all you love are plastic. That's what we <laughs> I, I love it. I sure love it shows I'm the least plastic. Technically I'm winning. If you actually look at the scores. <laughs> you should have zero in all of this. It's too much about Brighton. Alright then.
3: Question eight. <laughs> Zaha scored twice against Brighton to secure the Eagles. Wow. To secure the oh dear, that question doesn't make any sense. To secure the Eagles uh, into the playoff final in 2013, in which minutes were his goals scored? 69 and 88, 71 and 88, 71 and 89, or it's irrelevant. The better team won.
2: I've changed my uh, I changed my answer three times. You, you can select multiple so, yeah. answers, so I've just done them all.
3: Oh. <laughs> I think
2: that was cheating. And I changed my answer from the right answer. For God's sake, I hate myself. So,
3: there were two right answers. I just thought that
2: was that great. Oh, right
3: or It's Irrelevant, The Better Team won. But what I can't understand is how only 20% of people got that right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that classic. doesn't
2: mathematically work. Oh, does it split Mikey's answer? Oh, I oh yeah, might do, yeah. yeah.
3: So you lose points for answering every
2: what
4: is the actual answer though
2: 6988. yeah and i watched it all every second of that game recently and i knew that and then i clicked it and then i clicked to something different because someone changed told me i could change my answer and if i couldn't know that i don't anyway anyway it's fine oh, sorry I, I, yeah i'm not ultra competitive i don't hate losing let's move on
3: question nine The 1920 season is set to return in June, but how many league wins have Brighton had so far this season? Six, seven, eight, or nine?
2: I mean, it's probably not what I went for, but I went for what every Palace fan should go for. Wait, let's see if if this works.
3: The answer is yes. Everyone, everyone Sam, logic, the
4: lowest one. Yeah, I was him
2: that was all right because i could live with being wrong on that one <laughs> <Exactly>.
3: <laughs> are you ready for the final question
2: oh so, a, i cannot wait, wait. <laughs> we
4: need a, a recap of the scores first before you get to the
3: last oh. one oh. uh I,
2: no because then obviously there's no suspense if you give the scores for okay obvious you're reasons. right
4: go ahead
3: continue right. question 10 Brighton were relegated in which year 1983,
4: 1990, 1992,
3: 1996,
4: or 2006? From what division? Or any division? Any
2: Southern division. I, okay, gotcha. Is this going to be a multiple one? It is, isn't it? Oh, um, oh now I hit confirm now. Oh. Could be all five.
0: Yes! Oh what? Why don't I get points? Because I answered incorrectly.
4: You only get points for answering them all correctly.
0: Oh, that uh, is oh! I did <laughs> it. Yeah. How how would yeah. I know that? Love that it, trick.
3: It it doesn't it doesn't let you have all right answers. So I had to put one wrong answer in there, which was 1990, but everything else was right. That's
2: That's annoyingly, because I knew the I knew the first one because it wasn't then they I think they got to an FA Cup final. They did. They the lost year, the final yeah, to United. That's why I knew yeah. it was that
4: year too. Yep, yeah? eighty-three. Yeah.
2: So then I thought, well, there's no need to think about the rest of the question, is there? Because I know the right answer would it. it have been easier to ask the question which year weren't Brighton relegated? Yes. It would have That's been, not yeah. Sam though. Just, I agree. Sam, you fine. No, Sam, no, 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 no. <laughs> because,
4: no Sam. Great job. Can we get a recap of the fourth, please?
3: Well, I'd just like to point out that Mike wrote this question, not me. So, for the final score, <laughs> <That's great. laughs> beautiful. In, in fourth place is young DR with nine points. Well played. In third place, bronze medal. Podium. Podium place, 20 points. In second, not quite maintaining his streak. of. I have win. a problem
2: maintaining my streak after the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she
3: said. I wish I hadn't said that. Uh, Mikey with 33, but gold place, Patrick O'Connor.
2: That's what they oh, say, isn't it? Points. That's what they say. Gold place. They say that all Unbelievable. <laughs> gold <from laughs> quiz quizmaster to quiz winner. Love it, Sam.
4: Love you. Great job.
2: And he's first place. That is gold place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I you made you the winner. Oh. I win. Good. Well,
3: that was that. It was slightly Thanks. less tenuous than some of them.
2: Yeah, thanks, Sam. I enjoyed it in some ways.
3: If <laughs> <laughs> you just throw
2: some questions in there that might benefit someone who knows something about Palace, that'd be good. That'd be really sweet. I'll
3: take it under
2: advisement. <laughs> yeah, take it under advisement. I mean, just do what you want, really, because, you know, we have fun every time, yeah. Yeah. do we? Do <laughs> <laughs> we? <Well, laughs> <laughs> but at least uh, at least I beat DR I feel good about that so um, yeah thank you very much Uh, we
4: all did beat DR by the way we all beat
2: DR (laughs) yeah let's get that to proper context (laughs) we all thrashed DR by quite some considerable distance Uh, which actually that all feels right with the world again. so (laughs) that's that's alright thank you Sam thank you Mikey for producing thank you to Rambo for being our guest to DR and to Patrick for you for listening and we will be back ahead the first game of the season sort of how to say that properly, but join us then. Bye. Back of the chest. Coronavirus self-isolation podcast. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com
4: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time